Welcome along to the Bug Extra with David Lovell. And I'd like to say that joining me for this episode are Larry Sternshine and Steve Geimer to go over the Revolution pay-per-view from this past Sunday night. We did a uh, pre-show. Steve joined me for some of that. Um, Unfortunately, we didn't manage to get uh, his thoughts on every single match. Uh, But uh, Larry wasn't able to uh, be with us for that one. But uh, yeah, they're both online now. So, uh, Steve, how's it going? It's going really well, David. Thank you. I would really enjoyed Sunday night. And uh, yeah, sorry about Saturday night. I was dropping in and out of audio. And in the end, I just gave up. So uh, I listened to your show and I thought it was really good. Oh, thank you very much. And um, Larry, great to have you on board again. Oh, thanks. I appreciate uh, being on. This is going to be what... uh, so we, we obviously know the fight game media people. I get in this conversation with them all the time. They talk about how they got to be impartial, and I'm not going to be impartial by any stretch. So just so you know, <laughs> off the bat. I take it both of you guys um, saw the whole show, including the buy-in. Um, Larry, um, I think you were sort of uh, interacting with uh, the guys uh, doing the uh, pre-show, weren't, weren't you, on, uh, the, on YouTube? Uh, but were you able to sort of watch the, uh, the buy-in? Yeah, I saw all three matches, um, so I was able to do that and listen to some of them, and it was actually kind of fun to interact with people uh, who were talking about the show and all that kind of stuff, but I was able to pay attention and watch the matches. Steve, were you uh, following the uh, the pre-show on YouTube with uh, Paul, and, uh, Paul and Co.? I wasn't following the pre-show uh, with the guys, but I, I was. I say I was watching the pre-show. I had it on YouTube, and I try. I was trying to get BR Live to work, and I don't know if it's just me. I don't think it's from the feedback I've been given, but BR Live is one of the worst experiences. Um, well, of <laughs> streaming experiences, not just in general, but streaming experiences of uh, of my life. I think it's a terrible platform, and I hope they move away from it like soon. But uh, anyway, so my point being, watched the buy-in, didn't interact with the YouTube show, but I was, uh, and I did miss a part of the first match. So the Layla Hurst match, I was watching, but with like one eye on it while I was trying to fix my screen and get the other, the, the rest of it working, because I was panicking that I wouldn't get it working before the pay-per-view. I don't know why they don't have Fight internationally. Um, obviously, we can get we can get it on Fight here in the UK. I, I don't know why, because that would be that would be. <clears throat> The best platform to use, I would think, uh, would be on on the on the fight app. Well, I've I've heard from I've heard from other people, not myself, that you can use a VPN and buy it for the European market. Like you can watch Dynamite on the on fight as well. But um, if I if I tried that on Sunday, I would probably say that that didn't work either, or or wouldn't have worked. <clears throat> yeah, that didn't work either. <laughs> Anyway, the the buy-in we have we have three matches, which um, yeah, you know, I think is maybe a little bit too much, and I don't think we need to have that many matches on on the buy-in. But they were all they're all okay. I mean, Layla Hirsch and uh, Chris Statland. I mean, it wasn't the best match in the world, but it wasn't terrible either. Um, either of you got any thoughts on that one, Larry? Any thoughts on that match? Yeah, I actually thought it was really well done. I think Chris Statlander is actually one of the better, and Layla Hirsch is one of the better at doing that AEW style that I think confuses some of the other women when they come from like the WWE, for example. Um, so they're good at, they're good at it. I mean, it wasn't like a four star classic or anything, but it was like a, a good dynamite match. Steve, any thoughts on uh, that one? Layla Hirsch and uh, Chris Statland. Did you manage to go back and watch it after the fact? Oh yeah. Yeah. I did watch it afterwards and I, I very similar. I think, I think this might get a bit tedious in terms of me and Larry having very similar opinions on this because in the short time I've known Larry, we tend to have very similar opinions, particularly when it comes to AEW. But I would just say for the first time of probably a few on this podcast, I uh, I echo Larry's comments. I thought it was good. It was well done. Um, could have been on Dynamite, yeah. But it, I think the idea was probably to get more women's matches on the show and it accomplished that. Then we had uh, Hook versus QT Marshall, which uh, I mean, you you probably could have imagined exactly what uh, they were going to do in this match before they did it. But um, yeah, I mean, I kind of felt, and I said this on the uh, the pre-show, 
that we did that um, I kind of felt that they could have maybe done this on the main show. I mean, it's only going to be like five minutes. They could have done that between one of the big, like in between Mox versus Danielson and, you know, Page versus Adam Cole. It would have been a good spot because um, Hook is so over. I mean, the guy is just, uh, yeah, he's incredibly over with the, with the, with the audience. But um, they did it here, which is absolutely fine. And, um, yeah, any, any particular thoughts on this one, Larry? Yeah, it was it was fine. It was just it was the same as all the hook matches. I, the one thing that it that struck me during this match that AEW likes to do that sometimes can be kind of bothersome is they want to get their guys to have competitive matches because just in case if they need like QT to be a threat to somebody, when Hook should just blitz them in like five minutes. Um, but other than that, it was fine. It was good to get them on the show. But I like your idea though. That would have been kind of cool to see him on there they're probably waiting for like a big match of his before they put him on pay-per-view though yeah who do you reckon steve who do you reckon that, that opponent could be for hook down the road um so i, I do have a thought so one i think um the hook match was fine but i do think they're probably saving his debut for a pay-per-view where they can announce it's hook's debut on pay-per-view which is why this didn't go on there but i think a good first match for him is going to be ricky starks I think there's going to come a point where Ricky Starks turns on his dad. And I know they've kind of kept that connection a little bit looser with Taz and Hook. But, you know, Ricky Starks kind of turns on Team Taz, wants to leave. Maybe Powerhouse Hobbs goes with him. And then Hook steps up and, you know, he could end up winning the FTW title. I I don't think that really matters. It might not be the best for him to win that title. But I think that could be a pretty obvious plan um, to get him in the mix. Yeah, I think that makes sense. I think it um, with that title being so linked to Taz, I mean, it makes sense for it to be on his on his son. So yeah, they could put the F, F, FTW uh, title on uh, on Hook for sure. Um, and the last match on the buy in, I thought was one one of the best buy in matches you'll ever see. Quite frankly, I thought it was really really good. Uh, House of Black, uh, Malachi Black, Brody King, and Buddy Matthews against Park Penta. And uh, Eric Redbeard, I yeah, I, I really thought this was a really really good match. Uh, Larry, thoughts on this one? Oh, you there, Larry? Have we lost Larry? Oh, I'm back. I'm back. Oh, okay. Sorry about that. I couldn't unmute my mic for a second. Uh, <laughs> actually, I thought this match was actually one of the best matches of the night. Uh, yeah, throughout the whole thing. Um, one thing that has been lost a little bit is how I thought Eric Redbeard really stepped up and had a good match with those guys. He didn't seem out of place at all. I think that was pretty impressive about the match. Um, the other thing too, is I think buddy Matthews is the most underrated guy out there that I can't wait for the, him to have all sorts of banger matches with, with dudes on that roster. Um, it's just so big though, that, you know, you kind of get lost in the shuffle a little bit, but I think that matches of all the matches on the pre-show. That's the one to go back and look at. Definitely, I I can't. I mean, Steve, can you think of a better match on a pre-show in in recent memory? I, I'm probably going to be cheating if I say Danielson and Suzuki because that was advertised as a buy-in match for Rampage or Dynamite. I think so. I would I would try and be clever and say uh, that one, but a, a buy-in for a pay-per-view. Then let's let's put it that way. <laughs> yeah. So no, I, I can't I can't think of a better one, and I think I managed to say on the the call you did on Saturday. Uh, I think Pack is just generally underrated, and I'd like to see him out of that uh, three man stable, yes, that absolutely. death triangle. But if he's going to be in it, this is the way to use him. I think. Um, did you hear? Did, did both of you hear the Brian Danielson interview that uh, Dave and uh, Garrett did? Not yet. No. Uh, Larry, did you hear it? Uh, what was that? The uh, interview that um, Dave and Garrett did with uh, Brian Danielson. No, I only heard the one clip about how he wanted to spend more time with his kids and to bleed, which is <laughs> the funniest uh, thing that he said. But I haven't had a chance to to listen to it. I well, kind of want to go back and listen to the old Brian Alvarez interview he did like 15 years ago. Right. To kind of yeah, see yeah. that difference in uh, his feelings on wrestling. I think that might be kind of fascinating. But Brian Danielson basically said that 
Park was about as perfect a wrestler as you're going to find. And if his, if uh, Danielson's son or his daughter wanted to get into wrestling, he would want them to sort of um, use Park as a sort of template for how to be a wrestler rather than himself, which, I mean, Brian Danielson's a pretty good template to use, of course. But, uh, yeah, he, he really rates Park. And, and I think everyone should. I think he's he's tremendous. Uh, but uh, on to the main card itself. Uh, we opened with Eddie Kingston versus Chris Jericho. And I said in the thread that we had, um, of course, I do a thread for every pay-per-view on the uh, Fight Game Facebook group. I said, did anyone have Jericho Kingston as an opener? And Steve, uh, you... Uh, you um co- commented saying that yeah you had that as the opener so you were uh, expecting that to be the opening match and um to be honest with you there wasn't probably a better match to open the show was there really than that one uh, i think after because i was there for the kingston miro match that opened uh, oh, yeah. the full yeah. gear um or all that it was full gear i think and uh, i mean that just set the tempo really well um after watching that match it it was a challenge, I think, to see that there was going to be a better match on the show because it was it was really good. I actually put some money on Chris Jericho to win because I thought they would let him win and carried on the series. But it looks like they're going to carry on the series anyway. But I um I made a comment earlier in our little chat group that we've got on the side there, and uh, you know Eddie Kingston. I don't know if he's had a bad match in AEW, and if you'd have said to me three years ago. Eddie Kingston's coming to AEW, I'd be like, eh, that's okay. I, you know, he's good on the mic. But he's been outstanding in the ring as well. And a friend of mine I was watching it with said, uh, what's with the, the belly, you know? Couldn't he get himself into shape? And I'm like, I think that's the part of his gimmick that's that really man. works. Yeah, you know, he's yeah. the everyman. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah, that that's part of his appeal, I think. And I think uh, you're absolutely right. I, I can't name a, a bad Eddie Kingston match uh, since he came... I think his first one was with Cody, wasn't it? When uh, Cody was doing the uh, the open challenges every week, and uh, yeah, he's just. Do you mean? Do you mean what's his name? <laughs> Isn't that what you Jericho me that we Yeah. <laughs> but no, I mean uh, he could have, he could have just been another guy they brought in to have a match with Cody, and and then nothing came of it. But you know, he got the. He got the contract and uh, everything he's done, he, he's just hit it out of the park, you know, every, every single time. And this was a fantastic match. Um, Larry, I think all of us had our heart in our mouth, though, on the very first move in this match. Um, Yeah, it's usually uh, when you see any sort of suplex like that, you know, your kind of heart drops a little bit. Um, but these guys are strong. You know, they can... If I took a move like that, I'd be dead. But these guys, you know, they're pretty strong. They can probably take some some risk. Not too much, though. Not too much. Let's not do too much head droppy stuff in the long run. But it was a it was a hell of a match, though. Um, I'm a really big Eddie Kingston fan from the very beginning of his career. Uh, my friend Phil is actually knows him relatively well from the Indies, and. Uh, we were just waiting for that big signature win from him because it feels like it always comes up short. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, we were, like, really excited when he got that win, not only for just the fact that he won, but for him personally. Uh, all that vindication, all that hard work really paying off is quite something that um, – uh, what an inspiration for a lot of people to to see that no matter how long you're into something, eventually some good things can happen. So, you know, never give up kind of attitude, which is – why I think he resonates so much with the crowd. Yeah, I think this was the right outcome. I think that uh, it was time for Eddie to win a big match, and, and uh, I, I'm glad that he did. Um, I think um, this could have been the best opening match on an AEW pay-per-view they've ever done. Um, can you think of a better one off the top of your head, Steve? No, I would have to look through and see which ones. I mean, like I said, the Kingston Miro was good. Maybe not as good as this, um, but I would have to see a list of them, David. I don't remember off the top yeah, of my I head. Think, um, did, um, I did. did Derby and MJF, was that an opening? I thought that was an opening. That's right. In Minnesota, that was. Yeah, That, that was, was very, very good as well. But um, Larry, have you got any that come to your mind? Um, opening matches on AEW pay-per-views that may have been as good as that one? And. I don't remember the match order or what like matches are on what show. Like 
I remember there being certain ma- like, for instance, the barbed wire match. I didn't even remember was in Revolution last year, <laughs> so like, <laughs> I, I'd have to look look at all the cards. Yeah, and yeah. Come up with it. I mean, like every show's like good, so it just kind of blends together sometimes. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, the next match we had uh, was the David. David. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, go sorry, sorry to interrupt. You can tell um. I don't do many podcasts. Um, <laughs> before we move on from that match, I think it's just we've got to say. I mean, Jericho's physique was amazing compared to where it's been. Yeah, I know was, it that, that, was it? Was it uh, Preet who posted the picture of what he looked like before and what he looks like now? And 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 the transformation is uh, tremendous. Yeah, he's really got into great shape. And because um, a lot of people were saying that, oh, you know, Jericho should have probably um, called it a day. In that match with MJF, you know, he should have lost that and, and retired. But no, I mean, he, he definitely still has a lot to offer. That's for sure. And uh, yeah. this match, this match, you know, just, just showed that. Um, the next match we had was uh, the freeway tag team match uh, with Jurassic Express, Red Dragon and the Young Bucks. Now, I said in the thread I hated this match. I didn't hate the match. I'm just exaggerating there. But I... An issue I have with these types of matches is it's very hard to follow and, and it's uh, it can get a little bit over the top for me and, and I prefer the FTR style of tag team wrestling. That's, that's just me personally. But um, Larry, um, you absolutely loved this match, didn't you? Oh yeah, this is the kind of uh, match I prefer when you're doing a lot of people. Um, I know that they get really loosey-goosey with the rules. So, like, probably they should just make all these kind of matches tornado matches so they don't have to worry about the tagging in and all that kind of stuff. But then wasn't this also the match where they did that spot where not the right guy was in? So they had to – or was that a different match? I can't remember. It could well have been this one. I mean, I I, yeah. I completely lost track of what was going on. Who who was legal? What was because there was like three guys in the ring, and I thought, oh, is it meant? To, is it a triple threat? So there's one member of each team in at a time. But no, it's still it's still two guys at a time, isn't it? It's not three. Yeah, I just, I just got, I just got confused. Yeah, yeah no, I, I totally understand why some people won't be into it. I I just sometimes I just want to watch a match full of spots because it's really fun. <laughs> like for example, uh, that Jungle Boy spot where he does the hurricane run onto I think Nick Jackson right into giving Matt a German. Like I love yeah. that kind of stuff. That I mean that's it's not technically realistic, but like you know wrestling is wrestling, and sometimes you need some cool stuff to look at. You know what I mean? And I'm like I want to pop for cool spots, which sometimes can be a problem for other matches when there's not spots. But we can talk about that later. But I thought this one was fun. Um, I wouldn't say it was the greatest tag match of all time or, or anything like that, but sometimes you just need those athletic bangers, you know? Steve, how good is Jungle Boy? I mean, he really... I mean, he's been good for a while, but um, this match, I just... This match just... Watching this, I realised this guy's come a long way in the last sort of two years. Are you there, Steve? Have we still got Steve? Sorry, I just pulled a Larry and was talking on mute. Ah, okay, um, enough. <laughs> so yeah, Jungle Boy, have you? How impressed have you been with uh, how he's done in the last sort of couple of the years and and uh, his performance here in this match? Yeah, I think he was um, he was amazing in this match. And what really impresses me with him lately is the little. Um, the little interviews he's done where it's just a few lines, but it's like that sarcasm, sarcasm or you know, just uh, coming off in a way that's funny as a face, but could also be used really well as a heel. If you kind of, if he ever goes that, which I'm sure he will at some point, he's not Ricky Steamboat. So I'm sure he will at some point turn heel. Um, so that was, that's something that impressed me. But I tell you what, I will say about the match, someone that I really don't like is Luchasaurus. And I don't like him because I don't think he's very good. I don't like him because he's supposed to be a big guy and he doesn't look that big compared to a normal person. And met him once and he was so rude and just blew me off and I really didn't like him. But I was texting with a friend of mine saying, this is, Luchasaurus is terrible. I just want him to go. And all of a sudden he came into that match and I know it's the guys bumping for him, but he had a hell of a match too. So probably the first Jurassic Express match that I've watched that I've gone, 
they're not the weaker team. No, no, absolutely not. And uh, yeah, this this um, I can't say I wasn't entertained by this match, but uh, yeah, it was. I did find it, as I say, hard to follow, hard to um, sort of follow what was going on. But um, yeah, I mean, I think um, I think Jurassic Express retaining was I think probably the right call because Red Dragon and uh, the Unbucks. I don't think they need the tag titles involved in their feud. And I think it may be more of a six-man feud anyway, with potentially with uh, Adam Cole and uh, Red Dragon versus uh, Kenny and the Bucks, probably how they're going to go with it. Do you reckon, Larry, do you see it, it panning out that way? Yeah, um, you're right about them not needing those belts. It's weird about Jurassic Express is that... Um, like at what point do you just make do you throw Jungle Boy single? Like how much longer can you do the tag team? Because I feel like once they lose those belts to whoever, and I have no idea who that could be, they'll probably just do like some other like eliminator tournament thing because for some reason they're incapable of doing tag title feuds or some. At least it hasn't been like one for a while. But um, I just, I just don't know what else you do with them at this point. You know what I mean? So yeah, I think once they lose the belts, and not, and I agree, I don't know who that would be too at this point. Maybe maybe Santana Ortiz just to throw a tag team out there that potentially could win them down the road. Um, mm-hmm. I think um, that will be the time to get Jungle Boy away from that team and and uh, give him a singles run. Maybe he'll win the TNT title or something like that. I don't know, but uh, yeah, the guy the guy has so much potential and. Uh, um, Steve, any more thoughts on this before we move on? I could, I could just see it doing. I could see them doing a, a Jurassic Express to FTR for a little while, then yeah, to Santana and Ortiz in a in a little bit of a move around. Next up, we had the ladder match. I was, I must say, I was surprised. You, you're going to follow that uh, freeway tag match with the ladder match but watching the ladder match it was a completely different match again i mean every match on this show was completely different to the last one and uh what i liked about this match was it wasn't your usual ladder match in the sense you always have one big guy in there but in this one you had three with uh, keith lee wardlow and powerhouse hobbs and in many ways they were the main focus of it i mean they did a few a few comedy spots with Orange Cassidy, which I always, I, I do, I do always enjoy Orange Cassidy. I, I, I do think he is one of those people that you either, you either really like or you don't like. And I, I must say, I, I do, I do like him. And we, we got the great cameo from, from Dan Housen, of course. And I'm probably the biggest Dan Housen fan in the uh, fight game group. So I was happy with that. But uh, yeah, I, I thought this was a really, really well worked. The only issue I had with it was that one spot where Wardlow has everyone down on the outside, and instead of climbing the ladder, he gets out of the ring and starts hitting guys on the outside. Uh, that was the only sort of thing I could nitpick at it. Uh, but, um, yeah, Larry, what were your thoughts on this match? Uh, you know what else was a nitpick that I saw was, I think they cut, um, the director cut too quick to the ring where there's nobody around. It's just Christian, like, setting up some contraption. And I'm just like, <laughs> what are you doing, dude? Just fucking climb the ladder, man. So I think they kind of screwed up the directing on some of the stuff on the night. So I think they need to plan that up a little bit. But I think a lot of these guys are new to doing wrestling. So I'll let it slide. But I thought the match itself was a lot of fun. There were a lot of really fun spots that were pretty safe. For um, My favorite one was probably when uh, what was it like Keith Lee and Wardlow had the ladder and Orange Cassidy skinned the cat to step on the ladder to try to grab the brass ring. Yes. I thought that was one of the most clever things I've ever seen in a ladder match. And it like, made sense because it was him trying to grab the, the ring. It wasn't just trying to be cool. Um, yeah, and it felt like a pretty safe ladder match because I don't remember there being that many like crazy ladder bumps except for almost killing Ricky Starks on the end there. Oh. Yeah, because he's already got the neck issue, and yeah. I, yeah, again, you, t- I talked about heart and a mouth moment, and and that was another one there with that. But um, yeah, Steve, what were your thoughts on uh, on this match? Um, anything to add from what me and uh, Larry have just said? Not really. Compared to the rest of the show, I thought this was just okay. Which you know, the rest of the show was amazing, so it's not like 
this that's a that's a bad thing to say, but I, I wasn't overly keen. I didn't think it did a lot for Wardlow. Um and or Keith Lee either. Um so I don't know if I'd have had Keith Lee in the match to be honest, but uh, maybe just add him to a squash on the show or something. But um yeah, anyway, no, not not really anything else on the ladder match. I think they, they, they protected Keith Lee fairly well and, and because he wasn't winning, uh, I think the way they took him and Hobbs out of it was 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 quite well done. Uh, but yeah, I can certainly understand this uh, not being your favourite match on the show. Um, next up, we had the TBS title match uh, with Jay Cargill and uh, Ty Conti. And um, this was this is probably the weakest match on the show, but it was still, I thought, you know, six minutes or whatever it was, and it, 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 it you know, it, it, it was fine. I didn't see any real issue with it. I think, I think Jade, I had reservations about Jade winning the title. I, I didn't think that maybe it was the right thing to do because you don't want to put her in too many matches because she's not ready to be in that position. But every time I see her, she does impress me. You know, I, I think she's got a, she's got a great presence. Um, she's over. Um, she's a, she's a, she's a ratings mover by the sounds of it as well, and um, she had a really good match. I thought actually, yeah, I would say really good match with Anna Jay uh, that really exceeded expectations the other week. Um, and this was yeah, as I say, this was fine. Um, Larry, what were your thoughts on this one? Uh, so it turns out I didn't really pay as much attention to this match as I thought I did because there was a pile driver spot at one point, and everyone thought it was really badly done and i was like what are you guys talking about it was fine clearly it wasn't but uh it would i will say this about the match it was really energetic uh there was a lot going on um they're clearly starting a jay cargill face turn yeah um she was talking talking smack about um her manager on twitter so i I think we're gonna see a face turn at some point which I think she'll be a really good face too, quite frankly. So we'll we'll see. It was just uh, short, energetic, not that great. Didn't really pay that much attention, unfortunately. But um, we'll see where we go from there, I guess. Steve, anything to add on this one? No, it was quick. It was fine. Yeah, I I, I don't think Ty Conti needs to be doing Sammy Guevara's. Uh, facial thing or whatever it's called. Sorry, you shouldn't say that, should I? Doing Samuel Guevara's facial. Um, but like the crazy thing she did before she jumped off the off the thing. I think you don't want to don't want to link yourself too much. But that's just my thoughts. So yeah, it was fine. Next up we had CM Punk and MJF in the dog collar match. I was a little bit surprised that this this seemed early in the show. Uh, I think a lot of people were expecting it to be later. I certainly was. Uh, but um, going into it, I was probably more invested in this match than any other. I just think they've done such a tremendous job, as I said the other day on the on the pre-show. Um, I don't think I've uh, been more into an AEW feud than this one. Uh, they've done such a tremendous job with it. And uh, the match was pretty much... As you would expect it to be, I, I think it was booked exactly as it should have been, and um, we got obviously the Wardlow turn, which was um, subtle but effective, I would say. And yeah, I thought it was a complete home run, uh, but I was completely confused by the intros. Uh, you know, CM Punk's entrance. I didn't know what was going on. Anyway, that's just a little insider thing there. For those who've been following uh, Paul Fontaine's uh, Twitter, but anyway, um, Larry, what were your thoughts on uh, on this match? <laughs> uh, so here, here's a couple of things. First, I just rewatched the match today, just because I just wanted to kind of see how it worked. Because when I was watching it, I was watching the show with friends, so there was some talking going on and whatnot. Because it felt like the crowd was kind of quiet at times, and I think. Uh, you know, these are kind of long shows, so they do get kind of tired. But I think that style of match where it's more about uh, storytelling sometimes kind of doesn't work for the crowd as much in terms of, like, um, being up for the whole thing. But all, like, the major stuff that happened in the match, they were they were down for. Um, as far as the, the opening goes, me and my friends are from Chicago. We've, we've known and seen Punk before he even got into ROH. So it's like a long time thing. We've always known. We 
been to plenty of Ring of Honor shows when it came out to that music. We marked out huge. My friend actually muted us because he wanted to hear the, the opening, you know. So for us, it worked. I completely understand either not knowing or not working for others. But I think what was interesting about this whole feud, if you look back at all the promos and whatnot, there was a lot about the history. So we talked about Piper Valentine. There were ROH references that was uh, talking about his dog collar match with Raven and Ring of Honor. So it almost felt like they were trying to condition the fans, unlike other feds, that the history is just as important as what's currently going. So when they do like a streaming service, people might actually try to watch some of the old stuff. So I thought it was uh, an interesting thing for them to try to do. Unfortunately, sometimes Punk could be a a complete dick and uh <laughs> luckily things got smoothed off and we got a nice handshake emoji but um i loved it i totally get why somebody would be like i don't understand but at the end of the day though the match was awesome um punk was bleeding like crazy so many great uh story stuff in that match and then when Wardlow came out at the end um uh, couldn't find the ring and then he found the ring and they did that wrestling thing where because it's storyline it actually hurts more than like a chain uh the whole thing was just great thumbs up for me on that match steve have you got anything you could possibly add after that <laughs> i loved it I, i've loved the feud um i love the twist and turns i love the way that they've made me think one week what the heck are they doing and then the next week go completely crazy for it again um and the match was perfect to end it, David. I think um, I, I read somewhere about, or heard someone say about keeping it going with maybe like a cage or something. It, no, this was the perfect end to what was an amazing feud with two great matches. Some interviews we'll remember for probably the rest of our lives or, you know, whatever. And and I just don't think it needs to go anywhere else. But I, I thought it was amazing. Um, just, yeah. 10 stars. It doesn't need to go any further because, you know, we, we've got the next MJF feud set up with, with Wardlow. I mean, the question is, does Wardlow, is Wardlow now cost, does MJF now cost Wardlow the TNT title? Um, that's probably what they're going to do next, I would imagine. Uh, we'll come on to where Punk goes next, maybe a little bit later on. But, um, yeah, I, I can't really add anything more. I, th I think it was, it was probably, I mean, they're just about, you know, three or four matches you could say a match of the night or or in contention for match of the night and this was this was, this was certainly one of them that's for sure and uh yeah I, I loved um I can understand you know people not knowing uh because I mean he used cult of personality in Ring of Honor as well so I think a lot I think some people thought that that was his theme in Ring of Honor as well and that he didn't have this other theme so yeah I, I definitely understand people not knowing it but um Excalibur did a great job on commentary of explaining the importance of that theme and and I loved also Punk's um you know wearing the white shorts and, and paying tribute to his, his past um yeah I thought I thought it was really really well done uh, I can't say anything I can't say anything more than positive things about it um Next up, we had the women's title match uh, with Britt Baker and Thunder David, Rosa. Before Sorry. we go into that match, I just want to also re make reference to the uh, segment they did where they signed Shane Swerve Strickland. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. And uh, the crowd actually, I was surprised at how well they actually knew Strickland. And he got a nice pop and they did the Who's House, Swerve's House thing. And uh, I just would like to point out that AEW right now has my favorite roster in like 15 years. Like every dude I love, it's like in the Fed right now. It's amazing. Yeah, no, it's a it's a great get for um for um AEW. I, I think that uh, we didn't really get to see what that guy can do in in NXT. Uh, I think that he is he's got so much potential. He's a great baby face. He can also be a great heel. And um, yeah, I think yeah. The, the sky. The sky's the limit, that's for sure. Uh, are you excited? I'm going to say right now, I'm going to say right now, I think he's going to be their first black heavyweight champion. Oh, okay. That's a bold statement, yeah. But I could see it. Um, Steve, are you a big fan of uh, Strickland? Yeah, I mean, I'm not a huge fan, so I, I, but that doesn't mean I'm not a fan. I just mean he's not someone I'd list in my top ten. Um, 
I think Larry's forgetting that Keith Lee works there as well when he says that Shane Strickland's going to be the first world champion, uh, black world champion. But uh, we'll let Larry take care of that himself. But uh, I mean, I'm okay with either way, but that was just my little prediction. I, I just, uh, it's good to see that they're getting even more diverse. I will say that. Absolutely. Yeah, I agree with that. But uh, no, nothing really on. I thought it was interesting when Tony said, Shivani uh, said, "Good to work with you again." Just because they read that little run in MLW, I think that was that was what that was about, right? <laughs> yes, it was. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, but no, I think you should do well. I know a lot of people speak very highly of him, so maybe I just haven't seen enough. So then we had um, Britt Baker and uh, Thunder Rosa for the women's title, and I think that um, they were in a they were in a they were in a tough spot. I mean, there's no two ways about it. They were in a tough spot because. Anybody following the dog collar match had a, a struggle on their hands, but these two girls are so good, and and they had probably the best women's match in AW history so far in the match they had, the lights out match on uh, Dynamite. This wasn't as good as that, um, and there were far too many run-ins, interference in this match for my liking. Obviously, you got we got Jamie and Rio on the outside playing a factor. But um, all in all, I thought it was, I'd say it was good. Maybe not great, but I thought it was good. Um, Larry, what were your thoughts on this one? Yeah, I thought the match was good. Um, I think uh, Thunder Rosa, well, they say she's not hurt, but I I think she's, you know, feeling a little uh, stiff maybe. Um, So that might have affected the match, but I thought it was good. The thing that I didn't understand was, on Wednesday, wasn't Mercedes Martinez with her during the contract signing? Where was she during this match to help her when the other two are around? It's like, you didn't invite your friend to watch your back? What was that about? Yeah, no, I don't know. Um, uh, Steve, what were your thoughts on this one? So I had two big disappointments with the match, or three. What first one is I thought it was going to be really good, and I don't think it was. I think it was just there. Second, I put $25 on Thunder Rosa to win, <laughs> uh, reasonable odds. I mean, come on, it was like she. this has been built up for a while. But then I don't think it had the momentum going into it that it could have done anyway. Um, and the third was Jamie Hayter wasn't in her wrestling gear, which is always a disappointment when you pay for a pay-per-view. <laughs> I, I think that um, the, 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 the other sort of baffling thing was why now we're going to get Thunder Rosa versus... Um, Layla Hirsch on Dynamite to set up a number one contender when, you know, Layla Hirsch already became a number one contender and Thunder Rosa just lost. So why we got to see that match? But yeah, I, I, I think that um, Thunder Rosa, she could be the champion, but it, it just didn't feel like the right time. You know, it just didn't feel like she's got... Um, maybe it will be the right time at the... Um, is it, are they going to do the match at St. Patrick's Day Smash? Is that right? So if, if Thunder Rosa beats Layla on Wednesday, she then faces Britt next Wednesday. Is that right? Have I got that right? Yeah, that's in, San, that, and that's in San Antonio where she's she's from. So Yeah, um, so maybe that's where Thunder Rosa will win. And maybe they'll have like, I don't know, Rio and... and um, not So not Rio, Rebel and... Um, uh, Jamie Hayter get barred from ringside or something and, and there's nobody there to help Britt and, and that's when Thunder Rosa gets to win because she did have sort of Britt beat a couple of times here in this match and if it wasn't for Rebel and um, Jamie she would have won the title so yeah maybe that's what they'll do I don't know but uh, yeah I agree with you Steve I, this could have been one of the match of the night contenders really going into it because of how good that lights that match was but in the end it was just it was good. It wasn't great. It was just good. Um, and I think if you're going to, sorry, just to say, I think if we're going to gonna take the belt off Brit, and they've calmed it down a little bit and taken it off the boil, but I always thought that Brit would lose the belt when Jamie and her get into a program. I know I joke about Jamie, but from a wrestling aspect, I think she's really good. And I'd, I'd like to see interference backfire, cost Brit the belt, maybe Brit goes face, and as a program with Jamie Hayter, yeah, maybe Jamie Hayter goes face. I don't care which way, but I think it's just about time you can break those two up now. They've teased it for a long time, and now they seem to have backed off it a bit. 
Yeah, no, I can definitely see that. Um, the next match we had was John Moxley and Brian Danielson, and I said there there's a few matches that were contender for match of the night. For me, this was this has got to be right up there. I mean, I absolutely love this match. I, I thought it was absolutely fantastic. Um, but these are two of my favourite guys anyway, and and I thought they just went out there and. Um, yeah, I mean, it was a very hard, very, very hard-hitting match, I think is, is the best way to put it. And, um, yeah, I, I loved it. I mean, Larry, what were your thoughts on this match? Yeah, this was definitely the best singles match of the night. Um, these guys are awesome. There was this uh, spin kick that Danielson gave to oh, Moxley yeah, yeah, that looked yeah. like like my breath left my body. Like That looked like that sucked for uh, Moxley. <laughs> um, but that match was awesome. Like, I'm kind of sad that they're not going to wrestle again for a while, but them just blitzing through everybody, it's going to be pretty, pretty sweet. And we mentioned earlier, perhaps um, they'll just go and just completely destroy Jurassic Express and just hold on to those tag belts for a while while they're mentoring like some young dude to win like the TNT belt or something and just have like this crew, this like the best wrestler crew you know what i mean so but like yeah it was awesome yeah no i i think that um yeah i think we we will get this match again but yeah it might not be for a while because they are going to probably do the tag team thing and and i'm i'm all about that as well i think i think that'd be great those those two as a team i mean that's that's going to be amazing uh steve uh, what are your thoughts on this match what you guys just said. It was amazing. It was um, probably my favourite match of the night, yeah. although it's difficult to to say that, but I think it probably was. I, look, this is, this is classic cheesy comment, but you could probably put Brian Danielson in there with a broomstick and he'd have a good match. And Moxley is the furthest thing for a broomstick that you can get. And I'm glad, I'm glad Moxley won. One, because it was another one of my bets. But <laughs> um, two, more importantly, I think, this, you know, if we think this is his first big match, pay-per-view match back from, you know, coming back from rehab, um, which whichever way you think about it, it's, it's up to you. But from my opinion, set a great example for other people that you Absolutely. can do these things. Um, so, you know, to give him that win, although, you know, Danielson needs, needs a big win at some point as well, I think. But um, he can get away with it. But no, anyway, best match, best match of the night for me. Yeah, it's a difficult one because, as I saw on the pre-show the other day, it's one of those matches where you don't really want to beat either guy because you can, you you know, both guys kind of need the win at this point. But um, I do think John Moxley getting the win was probably about the right the right call. And then, of course, we have William Regal uh, coming out at the end and, and getting him to shake hands. I think William Regal is going to be a great acquisition uh, for AEW, certainly from a backsta- uh, backstage, behind-the-scenes aspect. And also, he's someone who can throw out there as a sort of authority role as well. Because let's be honest, as much as we love Tony Khan, him as a sort of regular character on TV doesn't really work. Uh, but uh, I think William Regal would be great, as he's proven. Yeah, you know, any time he's been like commissioner or GM or whatever, he's always fantastic in that role. So I don't know if you want to. I don't know if you want to do too much. Yeah, similar things to what WWE would do in terms of authority figures, but um, I think William Regal is 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 a great guy to have in that role, isn't he, Larry? Oh yeah, yeah, and I remember we were all like hoping for it to happen, especially when he was let go, and when he walked out, I was like five, I was like twenty seconds ahead of my friends, and I was in the middle of telling him something, and I just stopped, and they're looking at me like, <laughs> like confused why I just stopped talking, but then I was like waiting for them to catch up and then to see the look on their face of excitement. And I was just like, William Regal is the perfect guy. They need to um, have the backstage stuff. Cause especially if Tony respects him enough and he says, Hey Tony, that's stupid. And Tony goes, you know what? You're right. And then things get a little bit better. That's only a plus, you know, cause um, it's as good as Tony Khan could be as a booker. He could also be really terrible at it too. So he kind of needs the, that like uh, a group that he can trust around him. And plus he's just a great talker and everything. So 
I mean, it's Regal. I mean, he's the best. Yeah, there's nothing. There's no. There's no negatives, is there? I mean, uh, William Regal is a great get for AEW, isn't he, Steve? He is, and if it means we don't have to see Tony, I, look, I'm a Tony Khan fanboy, right? I mean, for what he's done and and everything, and when you listen to his interviews, I think he's uh, so passionate. I, I really, I really like the guy, but he he's not made for TV. He's definitely um, needs a good haircut, but that's beside the point. But I think <laughs> Regal would uh, bring some somewhat legitimacy and he hasn't done it long for long enough in sorry my dog's got a toy um <laughs> hasn't done it for long enough in the wwe there's been a break for nxt long enough to where it wouldn't feel like you've just taken nxt's commissioner um i think that break would really help the other thing i thought of too is do you think samoa joe's at home going nah i don't want to go to aw like he's got to be sitting there going oh i want to go back i want to go there now like when are we getting Samoa Joe to be another guy to be a kick-ass in front of and behind-the-scenes guy? So, you know, I'm expecting him at some point. Yeah, Claudio as well. Claudio coming over. Not maybe not. I mean, uh, maybe not out the back, or like in the backstage role. But you got two really, really top wrestlers there. I mean, maybe with the Ring of Honor purchase, maybe there's some thought about putting them over there. I think uh, another person. While while I know I'm going off topic, but while we're talking for the. Uh, the shooter group, if you like, you know, you've got Chris Hero out there somewhere as well. Um, you bring in the Kings of Wrestling, you bring in Samoa Joe, you have him with Daniel Bryan, you have him with Moxley all tied into one. I mean, shit, I wouldn't fight him. Yeah, the, the, there's, I mean, the options are endless. Uh, the options are so endless right now. It's it's such an exciting time. Uh, it really is. I think, um, I think the per- I maybe mean, we're, we're going off on a tangent slightly here, but the, the purchase of uh, Ring of Honor, I think, is, is really exciting uh, because I think they have got they have got so many guys on the AEW roster that maybe sending some over, some over to Ring of Honor uh, could be the way to go. But we 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 could maybe get into that another time and do a, like a whole podcast on on what the uh, what the future might hold in terms of that. But um, the next match we had on this card was um, the six-man Tornado tag match. And going into this match, I must admit, I wasn't really into it because um, I thought that maybe they should have done the freeway they did on Rampage on this show uh, with uh, Sammy, Darby and um, Andrade. But um, they did this match and it was just nuts. I think is the best way to put it. It was an absolutely wild match. You've got Sting doing one of the biggest dives he's ever done in his career. In fact, maybe the biggest. And he's, you know, 63 nearly. Um, it was just a perfect match to follow Moxley and Danielson because it was completely, as I said earlier, every match was completely different to the last one. And this was completely different uh, to what we had before. Um, and it was just thoroughly entertaining. Um, Larry, what were your thoughts on this one? This match completely overachieved. Yeah, absolutely. Like when at the end of the Danielson match, I was like, I just, I just don't care. I don't want to see this. Let's just get to the main event. I'm tired. And then when it was over, I was just like, I was having so much fun with just how crazy everything was that I was like, man, this thing overachieved like really some fierce. And it kind of woke me up and it really helped me personally for the main event when we got there. But just watching Sting and in, in his 60s, jumping off a high point into like a bunch of tables like that was just like, I was like, man, this guy is the best. Like how can anyone not love sting? You know what I mean? And then Darby Allen hates his back, you know, and he does crazy stuff and Sammy's crazy. Like everyone's crazy. Like <laughs> what is going on with those six guys? You know? Yeah, I, I absolutely agree with you. I, I, as I said, I was not invested in this match at all. And it, of course, you say about you being tired. I mean, this was this match came on. You know, it would have been just after four a.m. for me, uh, and I was I had just seen that fantastic Danielson Moxley match, and I was like, yeah, I just want to see Cole and Page, and let's just send it home because I'm I'm, I'm tired. I've loved the show, but I you know I need this show to end now. But yeah, this match really did wake me up as well, and and uh, it it definitely. Overachieved is the right word to use, that's for sure. Um, Steve, anything to add on this one? 
Well, before before I speak, David, let's just wait a minute and listen to that violin playing because you had to stay up late to watch an amazing show. Um, once that's finished playing, <laughs> we'll we'll uh, we'll move that. I, I thought it was good. It reminded me a little bit of the um, what was the match called? The five on five in the empty arena that uh, the oh, inner circle versus the stadium stampede. It reminded me a bit of that, and the way I say that is because it was going from one high spot to another, and that's kind of what that did because it was filmed already, right? So you know, you jump from this to this to this, and I thought it was entertaining. Um, if I was going to go back and watch the show again, would I make a point of pausing for that and paying a lot of attention? Probably not, but it it delivered better than I expected. And I think if we'd have put the three way in that spot from Rampage, I, I think. It might have been more overkill before the main event, yeah, whereas yeah, at least this yeah. one was different. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, I, I, if I was booking this as a solo, I, I may have probably put Hook in this spot, but I absolutely understand, and I think that Tony, Tony had a really tough job um, with match placement, and I think for the most part he got everything absolutely right, and I think it was, it flowed exactly the way it should have done, and. Um, this match in this spot was perfect because you wanted something after that fantastic Danielson Moxley match, uh, and it uh, got us ready for the for the main event. Which, uh, you know, the, the main event has got to be one of the candidates of match of the night as well. I mean, that was really really good. I mean, it, it probably wasn't match of the night. I, there's probably about two or three matches I put above it, but this is still really really solid match between uh, Hangman and uh, Adam Cole. Uh, for the title and hangman i don't know why because he's had these amazing matches that um 60 minute match with brian danielson for example but there's still people out there that are like i don't really get it i don't i don't see why he's a champion and, and why people love him so much i don't know what this guy has to do because every time i see him he's just absolutely phenomenal he hits he hits out of the park every single time I just don't know what more he can do. And this was another really, really great match. Um, Larry, what were your thoughts on this one? This was uh, another match that I thought overachieved because, like I said earlier, I wasn't – I just, I mean, I wanted to see it. Adam Cole has this uh, problem, and it does happen in this match a little bit, but he has this real big problem of how many near falls I can have in a match, and they get kind of samesy. So there was a little bit of that, but it was definitely like if this was like an NXT takeover main event, people would have thought raved about it, I'm sure. So um, I don't think it was the best match of the night, but it was like an over four star match. I was really into it for the most part. Um, I think I think Heyman's great. I think he's a really good champion. Uh, history is littered with their champs not being like necessarily like the top guy or the most focused on guy. Like it happens uh, a lot. You know what I mean? Um, and his, he's had nothing but great matches. Um, it's certainly been a more memorable run than, let's say, uh, like a Big E run or something. Uh, shout out to Steve's friend. Uh, but um, <laughs> I had, yeah, it, it was good. I, I, I think, though, what was interesting about this match, though, was the stuff that happened in the last five minutes because that crowd was not into him tying up Adam Cole oh, no. to the top hey. rope. Yeah, and he clearly pushed away Alex Reynolds. Um, so I think there's something there. And when he turns heel, you're gonna be like, you know what? For once, Larry was right. So, <laughs> uh, Steve, anything to add about this uh, about this match? I enjoyed it. Um, I, I'll be honest with you. I mean, if I if I was completely honest, I don't think I paid as much attention to this match as I should have just because I was burnt out by the time it got here. I was my friend Hang my on, two friends can, we, here. can we just pause for a second and have some violin playing about Steve being burned <laughs> out on this fantastic pay per view. No sorry. <laughs> uh touche, touche. Um no I um I was just my my two buddies had left and I was just like whoa this yeah it was uh, so it's a good thing right to be burned out by that and I'll definitely go back and watch it. Um, which I haven't done yet, but I I thought it, it, it was good for what what we expected. And some people said it was their favourite match of the night, so I definitely want to go back and watch it with fresh eyes. Yeah, I always like to try and do that because, yeah, watching a show with, uh, 
you know, 4.30 a.m. eyes versus watching it uh, when you're completely refreshed and have, have had a bit of sleep are obviously two completely different things. But yeah, this was, uh, yeah, it, like like we said, it wasn't match of the night, but it was certainly in the top, you know, top five, would you say? Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's, just, it's just a question of... Um, yeah, we, we mentioned, uh, or Larry mentioned there about the possibility of Hangman turning heel. Um, could that be happening sooner rather than later? Because coming out of this show, you would think that the obvious few to go to next would be CM Punk versus Hangman, wouldn't it, Larry? Yeah, I actually thought about that, and that would be kind of interesting to to do something like that. Um because, like, I'm pretty much positive that Punk and MJF feud is done. And I know some people thought that MJF would be challenging for the belt next. And they could still do that easily, quite frankly, if they wanted to. But um, it just doesn't seem right. Um, but I can definitely see, you know, them doing, like, a Hangman CM Punk thing. If Hangman's going to turn uh, on the Dark Order guys, at least. But then... What is Punk going to do? Like help the Dark Order guys with Cabana being one of them? So I just I don't know where it's yeah, going. Yeah. I don't know where it's going. These are just guesses. I'm almost always wrong, but sometimes I'm right, but mostly wrong. So uh, I just don't know what they do with Hangman next. I think Wednesday the first thing they should have is Hangman come out and you know what I mean, like really focus on the next challenger for the title, get that going. So we have like the new direction. So we'll see what they do there. But, you know, I mean, I'm happy with Hangman as champ, but, you know, I feel like he's gotten to that point where he could lose it and have plenty of feuds to bide his time. Steve, where do you see it going next? Do you do you think they're going to go straight to a CM Punk Hangman feud coming out of this? Um, yeah, I, I think they, they could. Um, I don't, I'm not sure if they will. I mean, uh, to Larry's point about Dynamite this week, I definitely think that Hangman needs to come out first because it, you know, it needs to be coming out of this as the main program um, versus coming out of it as one of a few, um, which I think he seems to have done, or he did last time. Um, I, I, I said on our group chat, and uh, I... I was trying to get it started this conversation. It just kept getting ignored. But I, I think if Eggman turns, I could see a valet and maybe even a, a mouthpiece, a manager, because Hangman's okay, but he cuts those fiery babyface promos. I'm not sure how he would be as a heel. Um, so bringing a, a manager in with him. And then I definitely think, I think Punk would be the one to take the title off him. I'm not sure. We'd have to see how it goes to see if it would be too early at the at the May pay per view. I don't. It's it's a difficult one because I. I've always kind of felt that the guy to beat Hangman, would be MJF. Uh, MJF should be the next champion. But if Hangman's going to turn heel, then I don't know. Maybe you could go to CM Punk. And maybe you get a CM Punk MJF match, another one down the road, and that's when MJF becomes the champion. Because when you think about it, I think I think the feud is probably done between Punk and MJF at least for the time being. But if you ever want to come back to it, they are technically one for one. You know, CM Punk beat him, and MJF has a win over Punk. Although he can obviously brag, he has two wins over him. But yeah, that they are one. They have one win each, so you can definitely go back to that. And that's maybe where MJF could could win the title from Punk. Is that a possibility? Do you reckon, Larry? Yeah, that's that was actually pretty uh, well thought out. Hopefully, they also have something well thought out as well, which I'm sure they do. I mean, it feels like they book what they want their pay per view to be, and then kind of work backwards. You know, that old school way of doing it. So hopefully, they've got like an idea. Um, but uh, he definitely, I think he needs to have a really good challenger next. Um, and Punk would be a pretty good challenger. And that would be a really interesting match, too. Because the styles between the two of them are pretty different. You know, so that might be kind of an interesting matchup. But uh, we'll, we'll just have to wait to see what happens on, on Dynamite, I suppose. 
Yeah, I think this is going to be an interesting dynamite tomorrow night and see where they go from here. But uh, overall, I think um, we can all agree that uh, from an in-ring standpoint anyway, this may have been perhaps the best AEW pay-per-view they've done so far, Steve. What, what do you reckon? Yeah, I mean, it's difficult to say because I... I... I always like, I'm I'm an unapologetic AEW fan, right? I always enjoy their pay per views. For overall match by match, yeah, I, I think it probably was my fa- it probably was the best match by match. Does that mean it's my favourite? I'm not sure because there's things that have happened in other events that I really wanted to see. Um, there wasn't anyone that I really wanted to like win on this this show. Um, I do. Just to go back to it, though, David. I do like your idea of MJF and Punk circling back, and uh, I think that could be good. Maybe, maybe tweet that to CM Punk because we know he's reading a lot of tweets right now. Um, so <laughs> could uh, could get that going. But yeah, top 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 show, well worth the money. Um, I yeah, I can't really. I, I said to you before we did the show that me and Larry are probably gonna um, say exactly the same about how we liked every match, and I think we have, but. Uh, it was it was a top show. Yeah, no, it was it was a great show. Um, it was I don't know if it was the best AW show or not because, like I said, they tend to blur together. But recency bias for me suggests that it is the best one just because I enjoyed every match in different ways for the most part. Um, but um, what was I? Gonna, I had a really good point, and now I forgot what my point was. Well, that'd be a first. But, <laughs> That's a, yeah, a real downer. Um, um, no, no I but think... uh, oh, I know what it was. Um, from here on out, there is no excuses for them ever to have a bad dynamite or a pay per view. Like none. Their roster is too good to have a bad show. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I mean, I think you you're going to get dynamites that aren't maybe quite as great as you know. They're not all going to be great, but I think it'd be very, very difficult not to have a fantastic pay per view every single time. And I, I'm yet to be disappointed by an AEW pay per view. And and I think that um, All Out was. I, I remember thinking All Out was about as perfect as as it possibly can get. Uh, but this was probably a better show, certainly from an in ring standpoint. But out of ten, Larry, what would you give this show? Uh, I'm going to give it an eight. I'm going to go with eight. Steve, what would you reckon? What 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 would you give out of ten? I'm I'm going to say ten. I don't think I've ever seen a better wrestling pay per view. Um, we're nitpicking a few things here, but I don't think there's anything I would change. I, I yeah, I, I'd give it a ten out of ten. I would go right between the middle. Of, I, I would go right in the middle um, between the two of you and go for a nine. I think. Um, but uh, yeah, no. As you say, I mean, I, I, the only reason I wouldn't give it a ten is because there were a couple of matches that weren't, you know, fantastic. But I think all in all, I mean, you, you're not going to get you're not going to get a better card than this. Um, you know, not every match is going to be five stars. That's for sure. And I, but I thought that at least seventy five percent of this card was four or above. Um, so that's a pretty good, a pretty good strike rate. Um, but yeah, I, I think that uh, top to bottom, it was just a fantastic show, and uh, I loved um, doing the pre-show. And having watched the show, I, I definitely wanted to uh, to get some of you on to talk about it. And it's a shame that um, we couldn't get some of the other guys, um, like Sebastian and, and Preet, were unfortunately unable to come on. But I'm delighted that uh, the two of you have come on. And uh, as you say, Steve, I mean, a lot of you had. The two of you had very similar thoughts, but um, yeah, I, I, I was really glad to get both of you on to talk about the show. And uh... uh, David, I think that you know you got the main event. You might have missed a crappy opener or maybe a divas match, so you got the main event going on. Um, and you mentioned earlier about us doing some more podcasts on some different things. There's a lot of people asking um, for me to do more, more podcasts and. I don't want to let my mum and my sister and my brother down. So if we can do people, <laughs> that would be great. Well, oh, also, Sebastiano wants to mention how much they love the Young Bucks. Oh, yeah. Yeah, of course. Yeah. <laughs> 
But um, no, I definitely will. As I say, I mean, I'm I'm going to do more of the uh, wrestling bug. Uh, I've got some guests lined up for that. But on on the weeks I can't get a guest, I do want to do other shows, and I would love to have the two of you back on at some point. And and maybe like I said, I mean, we we could talk about the Ring of Honor purchase and and the different possibilities. In fact, we could probably sort of draft together a roster of our own. Uh, what we what, what what we would like to see in Ring of Honor. That could be an interesting uh, idea for a podcast down the road. Yeah, I'll talk about yeah, anything, but, David. I think uh, if we're going to do something like that, David, we just need a, a, a little bit of notice to put some stuff together. Oh, but, yeah, um, yeah. Similar, I would, similar I would like to say to you in, in, in the group chat, okay, tomorrow <laughs> we're going to do a podcast um, and we're going to draft a, a whole Ring of Honor roster. You know, I'll, I'll give you a bit more warning than that. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah. similar, similar we need Paul, so similar to Larry, I'll talk about anything. I'm I'm pretty good at bullshit, so if we want to get on here and bullshit, I can do that. <laughs> no, absolutely. I mean, it's uh, yeah, like I say, it's been an absolute pleasure to have um, the two of you on. And um, yeah, so for Larry and uh, for Steve, I'm David Lovell signing off, and uh, thank you for listening to another episode of the Bug Extra. <laughs>